0: and welcome to the One Thing podcast brought to you by the Horton Group. We're at the Horton Group. We specialize in insurance, employee benefits, and risk advisory. And I'm your host, Jason Helford. John C. Maxwell wrote, there is almost no limit to the potential of an organization that recruits good people, raises them up as leaders, and continually develops them. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing leadership development with the executive director of a large IDD agency located in western suburbs of Chicago. We're excited to have on the program guest and friend of the Horton Group, executive director of Little City Foundation, headquartered out of Palatine, Illinois, Sean Jeffers. How are you, Sean? Oh, good morning, Jason. Doing well. Doing well. Good morning to you. How was your weekend, this being a Monday?
1: It was It was awesome. I, um my my wife is she's she's kind of working on me on pre-retirement, so uh, you know we're just out doing some things and really connecting with one another. She retired um, a little over a year ago, and so uh, she's been a great role model as I be you know begin my own transition.
0: <laughs> well, it's we all need role models in our life, which is which is exactly. good. Exactly, and it kind of nice little parlay into this topic. So I know you didn't do it on purpose, but it was a good softball uh, segue, if you will. Uh, Sean and I, I I love this topic, and I've been very fortunate uh, to work for a company that believes in this very important issue and routinely invests time and money and resources and energy in developing our own leaders here. And so I was excited, Sean, during our conversation a few weeks ago when you said this was the topic that you wanted to discuss. So, Sean, of all the topics that you could possibly discuss, why leadership development?
1: Well, I think um, it's become very up close and personal for me, Jason. Um, As I I shared, after 20 years at this organization and almost 50 years in human services, I've decided, uh, or life has decided, that it's time for a change. And as we look, particularly at organizations, how ready are they? And so for Little City Foundation, you know, the discussions began well over a year ago. If you talk to some of my peers, I've talked about leaving for probably the past five years. But the reality's <laughs> kind of you know, set in, and I think with the pandemic and some things in my personal life, it made it very real. And I think one of the challenges in nonprofit organization is there's no set point, Jason. There's no notion of after X amount of time you go or after a certain accomplishment, it's time to go. And Mm -hmm. so it has to become a very dynamic process within the person. Uh, Sometimes, uh, as you know, boards make that decision for you or other people make the decision. But for me, with uh, the support of my board and my family, I had to come to that conclusion that it's time for me to make a change. And in doing that, because we become so immersed and so tied to our companies, you look at what's the effect on them. And so it's been interesting once I made that announcement of the range of emotions from elation, hey, the guy's finally going, to Ooh. the set, you know, oh my gosh, it's, you know the, the, you know, the walls are gonna cave in and the yeah. system's gonna begin to break. And so as a leader, trying to work through that in a way that keeps the organization's eye on the prize. And that's continued sustainability, growth and the like. What I share with people, Jason, is that success to me in leaving is that things become better and not that things become worse. I don't want to walk out in a year from now, people tell me about all the things that crumbled. So my focus right now is to try and prepare the people around me, the people connected to this organization to get ready for that next exciting jump as opposed to this. You know, last dance notion there of all of a sudden, you know, the dynasty has ended and all Uh hell is going to break
0: loose. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, first of all, thanks for, you know, the decades of loyal service to the industry. You know, you have a, a wonderful name in the industry and been a leader for a long time. So, you know, from the community, thanks you for everything you've done. And it's interesting you said, you know, prepare the next generation, prepare the next series of leaders. And you shared with me that's been going on for decades. It's not like it's been a, all right, the clock's ticking. Now we have 12 months. Now we're going to start developing all in you know, our leaders to take over, and so I think I would guess, venture to guess, Sean, that a lot of the practices you're putting in place, leadership development, are universal in nature and not solely because you know you're looking to, to venture off with your wife into the next series. And so, you know, what are some of those challenges? What are what what did you need to get right when you talk about leadership development for Little City? What did you need to get right?
1: Well, Jason, one of the things that you know I attribute as success to to my leadership is a recognition very early to put the smartest people you can around you. Uh, You know, people who were better at some of the things that you do than yourself. Because I think that in and of itself, none of us walk in as leaders with all the answers. Uh, None of us walk in as leaders having top the scale on all the skills. And so leadership, again, is a very dynamic, growing process. You know, I don't walk away as a seasoned leader, you know, four-star, five-star. We're Mm -hmm. always in this, this transformative process. And so bringing people around me who at least had those skills, okay, those interests, those aptitudes, that heart has been a key to my success. You know, so I, you know, I often tell people that you know, when they ask me, what do you do, I, um, you know, I often say that it's not what I do, it's what I cause to get done. And what leaders cause to get done actually comes through other people. And so the, the process of leadership development, uh, Jason, has always been a part of what i tried to do with the people around me. Now, the organization, as we look to what's going to happen at Little City, I believe that I've left them with a choice. Now, what we have to look at is that leadership in the context of the moment. The choice that I made may not be the right person for this next moment for Little City. So mm-hmm. I do believe that there is that responsibility to really assess, you know, not look at that Jason's been dubbed the heir apparent. And now, all of a sudden, uh, our business models have changed and the world has changed. I think that's what we're up against right now. Jason, the way I understood running uh, a large agency uh, that serves people with disabilities has changed. COVID has changed the whole dynamic substantially. And I don't know if there's one perfect leader for this circumstance because we're all being tested. So at least if we have those prerequisite skills, that ability to network, that ability to problem solve, et cetera, may very much prepare that next person to take this on and so i do think that we have to create the environment around us where people constantly learn and grow and not become i don't feel that this as much as the organization feels that it is somewhat dependent on me i feel confident that i prepared some people for this moment and once i step away and what i guarantee people jason when i step away i'm gone if I'm not, not going to be roaming the hallway. <laughs> I'm not going to be, you know, <laughs> hungry, you
0: know? Yeah.
1: I'm gone. Yeah. Because I want that person to have the same opportunity that I did in coming in. And that's to really work directly to shape the organization around the direction that the leader wants to go. So the most we can do is prepare that people have to deliver.
0: Yeah, that's well said. And there's a, there's a lot of interesting things you shared with me there. One was, you know, we're all working through this period in leadership development together. And you, know, you you rewind 10 years ago, where you had, you know, boomer, Xers and millennials that, you know, the way your leadership style was created over decades of being in a controlled environment, if you will, now you throw a new variable in the mix. And that's changed things for everybody, right? Not just you who's been doing this for a long time, but for those, the DSPs or for whoever's coming in the agency now that's in the the early onset of their career. And so I guess if you if you play that out a little bit Sean, you since you brought it up, things have changed and we are in this together now. So how what's some of the biggest challenges you found now you introduced this new variable, right, of the pandemic. Now it's changed things for for at least for for, for foreseeable future, excuse me. What are some of the biggest challenges or pitfalls that you've stepped into, that you've observed, and I've done it myself? Just as, as you were
1: speaking, Jason, the thing that really jumps out to me is we have to figure out, do you have to be present or can you be afar and do work? So, you know, my generation and coming in, there was no question. You were in the office. You were on the floor. You were out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole notion of even with a, a cell phone or a pager, you know, from years ago, there was that, that point that you knew you had to be physically present, sure. your, you know, the to reach and touch. Now, there's a question. Can I be productive and be away? You and I are having this conversation via technology that we could not have had then. And so mm-hmm. it would mean, let's meet up somewhere, let me come to your office or you come to mine, And we do it in a very manual way. So there is this challenge of how do you blend the technology with the time proven need to be present. Mm -hmm. And so we've we've had some uh, um, uh, interviews with people from afar who believe they can do this job, certain jobs within the organization, in other states. Yeah. So I had a financial analyst that said, hey, look, I don't need to come visit you. Numbers are numbers. We've got this, this screen. And so that's a point, Jason, that we're going to have to figure out, from particularly from team development, people development, relationship development, how do you have the hybrid of the technology? Um, so I've got that tension with some of my people who who I feel don't need to come in the office who want to, and those I think should who mm-hmm. don't. So I think that's one, one big element. Uh, the other is competition is steep, you know we know there's a manpower crisis or woman right. power crisis there's a people crisis right and now the the notion of how we tailor the work to the individual without losing the essence of work is a huge challenge. you know my best people are constantly getting headhunter calls even sure. as a soon-to-be 69-year-old, Jason, I'm getting headhunter calls. You know, like if there's an ounce of energy left in you, can you come do it? And so we are at this place that, you know, how we hold on, first attract people and hold on to them is much different than what we used to offer before, uh, you know, uh, office, uh, uh, salary, uh, you know, some vacation days. So that challenge is, is among us all.
0: Yeah, I think we've it's forced us to look through a different lens, if you will, and, you know, also redefine our definition or collective definition of what present means. You know, I think the prior generations, their 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 worth in a business was often defined by their work ethic. Right. I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to just do more. Right. And and I'm not suggesting for any moment here that the younger generation is not outworking anybody. It's just different right it's it's a different definition and so i think we have to you know, i think i've struggled with that as, as times as well i'm in the office today look i'm here because that's just what i do but, but there's not many other people here and that that's okay um so i think there's been a lot of things that have changed and i think even can you speak to this a little bit is i'm curious to get your thoughts on this you know even the even our military is changing the way they develop leaders, right? Instead of not like a rank in command of the past, right? This is just how we're going to get things done. You know, have you had to change your messaging or your team's messaging in working with different generations about maybe leading more with heart, right? So not so much chain in command, but it's leading with heart, leading with emotional intelligence, uh, leading by example. You know, those old adage, if you want to lead learn how to follow all those types of things, have you seen that come into play? And is that part of, you know, when you think about leadership development, when you teach, when you coach, right? Uh, is that, does that go into your teachings at all or no?
1: Well, I, I think it does, Jason. The first thing we, we all have to do is, and whether or not it's your personal life or your professional life, is what's the desired outcome? You know, just motion without movement is just motion. Mm-hmm. And so we can say we're doing all these things, but our outcomes are bad. Then, so I want to look at first, if you don't define as a leader now that desired place, what we're going to be, Because what we're going to be and what we aspire to be is going to drive how you get there. And if we want to be there a long time versus short time, Mm -hmm. if I want to just beat you in the shape, Jason, physically, I Mm can't. But if I want you to be an athlete or a wholesome person the rest of your life, i got to go about that differently. And I think for us within organizations, we have to look at what is that big picture? Is it a marathon or a sprint? With the sprint, you're going to lead in one way. But if you're looking at how do we sustain people in the long run, you better come up with what's the right formula to get. It's going to force me to understand how Jason ticks. Is he this type of person or that type of person? So I do think that outcome, that desired state is going to drive the type of leadership that's going to be needed. Now, within our world, the IDD world, it's a marathon. It's yeah. every day of, of balancing and constraints, et cetera, and getting people. You're not going to be able to throw dollars as an incentive. You're not going to be able to throw some of the other things. And so it does force us to engage with people in a way that's different. I've often had to have that conversation with various board members of mine. When you talk about accountability, this and that, when you've got limited choices of all I got is four tires, then <laughs> I got to be careful about how I tackle the road. Okay. I mean, it's, it's there. There's not this you know, ready waiting group of people standing in line waiting to get the next job in our organization. And yeah. so it does force us to deal with people in a way that might be different than some major corporation that's got resources and people are actually waiting in line to get employed, which I don't know which which entity that is now, but <laughs> that's uh, I think the notion that we're up against is is how do you... Build your leadership, and if it's not you, make sure you have people around you who have that complementary skill. Sure. Okay. So that, it's not. Is, no. Yeah, it's not one person. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what's going to be our challenge. It's not going to be vested. I know my strength. I need to put people around me who have complementary strengths, so that my people here get the whole. It's.
0: I, I love that, and it's a. Where mind was going my mind was going a little bit there is so you mentioned surrounding yourself as the ED, right? It could be a board chair, whatever, you know, uh, executive level function you have, with people that are around you that maybe are supportive or complementary to your skill set. right? We all can't be, you know, actuaries and move the ship as fast mm-hmm. as we want to. Nothing wrong with actuaries. We've got to be different, was my point. <laughs> so if you're an actuary listening to this, it's not a slide on an actuaries. Uh, and so how 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 far do you trickle that through the organization? So let's say you have a, you know, at what level of management, Sean, would you have somebody to be consciously thinking about that hiring to their skill set? I'm assuming it goes all the way down, but talk more about that if you can. So if you're uh, if you're a manager of a, a couple of silos or a couple, of home, a couple of programs, you know, how important is it to support your skill set with the teams below you, or is this just sim- simply an executive level function?
1: No, I, uh, Jason, uh, one of my uh, mentors had. Talk you know, at least you know for me i 'm a visual person i 've got to think about it in terms of pictures or scenarios, and I also come out of a, a sports background you know a mm-hmm. lot of uh, of my uh, attitudes toward leadership came about through sports. I had an awesome to this day I have a, uh, a mentor who is my high school basketball coach who i 'm still in contact with because he taught me a lot about team and life and understanding role and how you make those adaptations. And so I look at that within an organization in the context, it is an orchestra. And in order for it to be symphonic, people have to go along and understand their place and, and their moment versus a cacophony where it's just a series of sounds and noises. and So, you know, from that perspective, it's vitally important that people understand. And we have to be adaptable. You can't, to me, Jason, you can't just come in and say, this is who I am. This is what I do. Take it or leave it. How do you adapt to, you know, whether or not we're looking at baseball, basketball, et cetera. Are you a team that adapts to one another's strength or do you build it around one? Very mm-hmm. difficult for us to build ourselves around, in my estimation, around the strength of the leader. The leader has to build the strength of the team. And sometimes that means, Jason, you know, I, I uh, we use the disk analysis and y'all. You know, sure. won't, won't you know, there's a number of leadership uh, components out there. But I know my strength and weaknesses. And when I operate around my strength, my organization goes. When I move into my weakness, <laughs> It
0: suffers. <laughs> you're not, you're your not a high-C guy then, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's <laughs> interesting. So, but I, I, you're, you're 100% correct. And I, it also takes a lot more effort and energy to do, be something you're not. And so if you, I always challenge our teams, you know, if you have – Two columns, you know, put something in this column that provides you energy, fills your cup, right? And this one takes away your cup, drains your energy. You know, hopefully your role is more in the fills your cup type thing. Because if not, if you're if you're not a high C guy, maybe you're high S or high I, and then all of a sudden you're re, you're leaned on to be that high C. Well, it doesn't mean you can't do it. It just takes a lot of energy, and it just you're gonna successful
1: you. yeah. Right? And it's not, you know, we talked once before, Jason, about authenticity. Uh, you know and people can read through BS you know it's sure. I, I teach part-time and I can tell who read the stuff and who didn't mm-hmm. okay and and so it's no different than our work people see you and they see whether or not you're authentic and when I'm authentic self words come easy when I 100%. try and BS I don't do that very well <laughs> and so you know making sure my team understands that you know that, that I'm You know, just to kind of reveal, my I'm actually a a kind of an ID guy with mid-level S and a very low C. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't need a lot of information to make a decision, but I need people around me, Jason, who compile and understand information. Sure. I've got a young lady who works for me at Little City who read the 500-page DCFS report and told me on page 38, it's something about Little City. I would never read that report. <laughs> yeah, I, I read executive summary. So, but it's important that you have people. A thousand percent. She's very percent. good at it. We nurture. We support it. And so for me to be successful, I have to surround myself with those people again who are better at it, and you learn to listen to them.
0: Yep. I, I, couldn't, yep. I couldn't agree more, and I'm I'm high I high s and and so the high C doesn't really fill my cup either. It takes a lot of energy for me to go through a 500 page document. I can get through it, but I, it's going to take me a little while because it doesn't interest me as much. But Sean, when we talked last time, you shared something with me, and I remembered it. Is you showed me that leadership is about making things better, and that is the difference between idols and heroes. I thought that was pretty profound so i'm glad you shared it what you mean by that and who are your heroes so it could be that basketball coach maybe he's still right. one and, and it's,
1: it's yeah and jason i it, it's been long enough with that thought that of course i i've developed some notions and even as i reflect back on people i work for i had some people who i work for who wanted me to be like them and they treated me like they I want to say like they want to be treated. So if they were a person who, you know, thought that the best way to get through you is to beat you, beat you, beat you, and that makes you stronger, that's what they did. I've had other people who I just witnessed their work, and I independently determined I want to be like them, okay? And so that to me is the difference between people who are idols, who want you to be like them, and heroes who do things that you aspire to be. All right? And so I have those people around me who I aspire to be. They just do what they do. They're not looking back to say, "Hey Sean, wear a bow tie, you know, do this, you know, be like me." All right? They're creating those and even within organizations we sometimes try to create many me's. You know, here's the key to success. Just follow what I do. <laughs> You know, tag There's along with Jason, race. and yeah. you'll learn how to be a successful leader and salesperson, yeah. et cetera. Versus that person who comes to you, Jason, that says, I admire how you treat your family. I admire how the employees look up to you. I admire how the janitor knows your first name and how you know his first name. Okay, those are the, the people who are my heroes. Mm-hmm. I, and so they don't have to be titular title people. Yep. You can see within my direct care work's workforce are some real heroes mm-hmm. that they find a way after many years of working with people, they see the things I don't see. And so there are some people in high positions. There are people in other positions who I look at and say, wow, it's not how they dress or, you know, the car they drive. Is it the way they get the best out of people, the way they bring the best of themselves? makes you want to be more like them mm-hmm. than when you look at they've got the big office, the big car, you know, the sure. beautiful spouse, the kids that are getting A's in class, et cetera. You know, and hey, you want to be like me, then join the country club and, you know, do this, et cetera. And right. so that to me, Jason, is it so as leaders to me should do the things that help people aspire,
0: yeah. not
1: own the things, but do the things. It's yeah, the behaviors paper, you know. that are important.
0: Well, not not a paper leader, an inspirational leader.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, that, that's I, easy to acquire, Jason. Sure. I can go out and buy the fancy car. I can buy the. I mean, that's that's easy. Mm-hmm. But it's what's behind the mirror, what's behind the curtain, are the things that where to me leadership resides. It doesn't reside in the title and the and the objects. It resides in how people are engaging with people that get the best out of them.
0: Yeah. No, I, that makes a lot of sense, and. So why don't we, if we can't close on this, you also mentioned that leadership, I believe, I might paraphrase it, so I'm wrong. Feel free to correct me. I think you said, it's a, uh, a finite resource with an infinite need, something along those lines. If I, met, if I screwed it up, correct me. But I think no, you, a- you, you,
1: you, you're correct. I mean, that's the reality that, you know, there's something that you and I have very much in common, and it's time. You don't have any more than I do. You don't have any less than I do. OK, mm-hmm. so we know that's finite. It's yep. finite. Okay, we know money. It's, you can say it's in, but it's, it's <laughs> finite. We, you know, you know. My, my kids thought it was infinite, but I've infinite, sure. got finite resources. Mm-hmm. I have finite time. And so we as leaders are always challenged with, how do you balance that? There's never going to be enough of anything. Yeah. I never have enough time. I never have enough money. Okay, I can never completely get it done. It's one thing, you know, Dusty Baker, if he wins the World Series, there's an endpoint. But with an IDD or even a corporation, where's the endpoint, Jason? How do you measure it? Okay. Yeah. Now, you and your company can set a, a monetary figure, but is it really done once you do that? And because what that will do is create a further demand. Of your resources of time. More people are going to want it. Your employees are going to want more of a piece of the pie. And so we're always balancing that notion of how do you get the outcomes with finite resources mm-hmm. in infinite need.
0: Well, Simon Sinek would tell you, business is not a finite game. Right? It's an infinite game. You don't win or lose in health and human service. You don't win or lose, right? You don't, we don't win or lose in business. It's an infinite game, but we're playing a finite game, right? So we got to change our lens a little bit. And, and speaking of time, I certainly wish we had more of it, but we don't. <laughs> it's finite. <laughs> it's finite. So I want to say thank you, Sean. You've been a, a wonderful guest. We certainly appreciate everything you, you're doing for not only uh, for this podcast, but for the community. And have a wonderful retirement once well, they get, when you get there
1: huh? you do the same and jason you're an awesome uh, person your your business profile i mean just a person that i just feel uh, very proud to have an affiliation with so wishing you nothing but the best
0: well thank you sir we certainly appreciate it so that'll wrap it up for today uh, so until the next time on behalf of the Horton group this is jason helford saying thank you for listening to the one thing podcast